let's get into our preview uh, and recap here on Punish Postmortem. Ron Duffercy is first cap off the rank. G'day, Duff. An interesting day at Rosehill Gardens. Obviously, I, I think the track played a lot better than we expected there, uh, which is not bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very misleading, the penetrometer reading there on Saturday because it, uh, I'd suggest it played closer to a soft six uh, um, towards the rail there late, you know, from race six or seven onwards. Dino joins us, Dean Lester in our Melbourne studio. Dean, uh, Caulfield, mate, uh, there was a, a lot of emotion after the uh, the last there. Well, there are a lot of people that went away with part of Glenn Boss's kit. I know that. Yeah, he, uh, he was keen to get it off. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, it was, a, it was a, uh, you know, the rebirth sort of of the Zipping Classic at Caulfield a bit later in the carnival, and it's, a, it's something that the current uh, MRC... Uh, committee and uh, the management want to do, and I think it it needed Spanish Mission and Glen Boss there, or it could have fallen very flat. Mm. But ultimately, it ended up a pretty good day, and it was good that crowds. The, it was the first real open crowd for a city meeting uh, for a long, long time, and and they took advantage of it as yeah, well. Yeah, great. It was great stuff. There was, and it was look, look like a lovely day too yeah. uh, to to get to the track. Glen Munsey, did you get inspired seeing Bossy get the kit off at all on Saturday? Well, it's a little bit difficult, Dave, uh, trying to follow what's going on in Melbourne when you're worried about what's happening at Rose Hill, Ascot, and Ipswich. But uh, hang I on, so see it. so you've turned that little what, like little uh, joke into that you work a lot, and it's only what we thirty seconds into the show. No, Dave. Well, it's got to be a record. No, you asked me a question and I gave you a truthful answer, Dave, and that is a truthful answer. When I'm worried about three other meetings, I don't have time to be looking what's going on. And and we don't have the coverage in our broadcast position to be watching what's going on in Melbourne. Well, those three meetings that you were worried about, what did you make of the day overall? Were you happy with the day? Always happy with the day, Dave. Uh, not it would have been happier at Stockman one, but you know, just another bad beat at twenty six dollars. They just keep running second. They do, and you don't bet each way. Have you ever thought about throwing something on the place? No, Dave. No, I told you what each way betting and place betting's for. Let's talk about uh, the festival stakes, Ellsberg. Uh, what SP uh, at two forty? Um, oh, you had to start with that race, Dave. Straight off. We'll the top. start That's with it yep. because what did you make of the win of Ellsberg, uh, Duff? Uh, the market obviously was was gravitating towards it pretty much since. Well, since final field, wasn't it? Yeah, and understandably so. He, he had all the, um, you know, the right form lines, and he had the right weight. He had the right draw. He had the right map, and he got the right run. It's as simple as that. He was always in control. Always looked the winner, um, and it was a painless victory for his supporters. Stockman's going well. He came up the right part of the track, and he's, you know, he's he's moving along nicely for the Summer Cup. There's no doubt about that. Bandersnatch. Did his thing and battled on well. Uh, I thought Brutality ran really, really well, uh, considering circumstances and bias on the day. Other than that, uh, there wasn't too much to add, other than it was a dominant winner who were the best horse, the fastest horse, won. Well, let's talk about the track, Duff, before we jump down to Melbourne and get Dino's thoughts on that uh, that Zipping Classic meeting. You mentioned uh, the Penno. What, what, what do, you, do you mean by that? Is it just the way the race were being run, or do you think that when you're doing form and we're recapping, we should be thinking differently about it? Oh, we have to be. You know, like uh, we, we went in with a... We, we, we got all this historical data, and Glenn reels it off and reels it off, and I'm tipping you, you can burn it after Saturday, uh, because... Just throw it in the garbage tin. We we get these 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 readings from the penetrometer, and, and I, I'm I'm guessing I don't know anything in the world about a penetrometer, but obviously they take an average reading of the track, and that'd be from outside to in. But I, I'm suggesting we should have 
if we're going to use this penetrometer, we're going to have readings you know, every three metres, the inside three metres, the next three, the next three, whatever. Uh, because if we were trusting that penetrometer reading on Saturday, they're saying it was the hev heavy, a heavier track than we had on Golden Slipper Day in 2017, which is ridiculous because I think it might have been Glenn that said if that was correct, you know, the, the, the highway winner would have won the Galaxy by 12 lengths. No, the two-year-old. The two-year-old. Yeah, hmm. well, there you go. So I, you, you, let's go to race seven, uh, the Starlight Stakes, right? It, 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 we, we were still on a heavy 10. They ran 1.452 and they come home in 33.98. I didn't have to go back far. I went back to the previous meeting on November 6th where Amiche on a good four run 1.394 and come home in 34.04. And I think Sajardin won on the same day, 1.406, 35.12. So this is the half second there. And then I went back to October 30 on a good three, mind you, a good three. And uh, on the lead run 1.373 and, and come home in 33.85. So if it's a heavy 10 track, I don't care how slow they go, they do not come home in 33.98. Uh, so it's completely misleading if you pick up that form guide in, in another year and say, on oh, a heavy 10 at Rosehill Gardens, uh, uh, Volpine uh, run 1.452 and come home in 30, uh, under 34 seconds. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I see in Victoria, they use their shear, and I, and I did text Dean about the shear on Sunday morning, um, and he says to me, if it's more than a 10, you know that, you know, it's really holding, to get, the track's going to hold up. So should these, we be using something like a shear or a going stick, which I know nothing about as well? But this penetrometer is embarrassing. Munns, what, what historical data did you have? I don't want to open Pandora's box here because I know a lot of it. Maybe you could explain too, um, would you be the best on this panel to explain what a penetrometer is? Well, a penetrometer, Dave, if you envisage a, a metal pole with a weight at the end of it, and probably this pole would be three, four feet high. And what they do, they drop the, drop the weight, um, you know, to, to force something into the ground, and the reading is basically uh, an indication on how soft the ground is. Um, for one, you know, that's probably the absolute basic of what the penetrometer is. Peno meaning, you know, penetrating and... and meter as a, as a reading of, of that. Now, you know, that, that's all we can go on because um, at the start of the day, you know, this reading is done at, you know, six o'clock in the morning or, or probably close to that. And, and I know that the, the, the track staff go round and at various stages, uh, you only have to tune into Racing HQ on a Saturday morning and the most in, uh, enlightening person is usually at this time of year is, say, Jim Roberts, who's at Eagle Farm or... Um, whoever's at Doombin, and and they're actually out walking the track at the time because at that stage it's half past five or twenty to six in the morning in Brisbane, and they say, oh, we're just out doing the readings now. You know, the boys are just doing it. They do it here, and they they walk to a different stage and everything like that. But but that's your that's your basic historic data. What the day is at six thirty in the morning. Uh, I know back on 2017 on Golden Slipper Day, it did rain during the day there. But at the start of the day, we had rain. We didn't have torrential rain like we had on, on Golden Slipper Day. But for the first race to come out and, and run two seconds faster than open horses in the galaxy, you know that the track is better 
than than a heavy 10. And the, and the times indicated all the way through. Now, was it because of the fact that the track had had three weeks off? Previously to that, it had had a week, you know, they'd raced twice in uh, consecutive Saturdays. But previously to that, they'd had a number of weeks where they only picked up, um, you know, Kembla took a lot of Rose Hill meetings during COVID. Now, the track's had a complete rest. And in the, the weather conditions we've had in Sydney in the last couple of months, you've only got to go around and have a look at the parks, have a look at your lawn, have a look at golf courses. You know, grass is, uh, you know, sprouting out of anywhere. We've had ideal growing conditions. Is it more of an indication of how good our tracks are when they can get a little bit of a rest at the right time of the year, especially in the growing season, early in the growing season, so they're not getting ripped out. You've got to realise Golden Slipper Day comes in the middle of the carnival where, you know, it's had meetings on it and the track was in nowhere near as good a condition that day with or without the rain, realistically, because it's had traffic on it. Whereas this track was, you know, basically a a, a virgin type track at a good growing time of the year. I'm not arguing with that point. I'm happy with a, with, a, with with the improving track. I'm just after a, a fair guide for the punter uh, to work with. Surely they'd know that, that if the, uh, what can help us with that. Maybe it is a sheer stick. I don't know. But uh, well, you know, we do, went into that meeting, betting early well, into this meeting, looking for bog trackers. Well, do we need... And I know each and every meeting there are horses at work on the track and they get a jockey's opinion. Do instead of we getting a jockey's opinion at six o'clock in the morning when the first race is twenty past twelve, do we get a couple of jockey's opinions at half past eleven? I don't know. What's a shear? I want to know what a shear is, Dino. What's the difference? Oh, it's 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 the going stick's got two parts to it. No, I'm sort of it's a I think it's a digital sort of instrument, and the going stick reading has two parts to it: the going stick itself and the shear, and the shear virtually tests the toughness of the grass and how it will you know if it will pull out of the ground uh and anything basically you know and we're still in our infancy but the the track managers are adamant that it's a it's much better gives them much better readings much more accurate readings than a penetrometer would um but i'm i suppose that'd be it to each their own but you know i know marty signing it Mooney Valley's a, a big advocate for it, and so is uh, Liam O'Keefe at uh, Flemington. And the shear, basically, yeah, as I said, you know, so you can have a track that's maybe uh, a good four, and the reading of the going stick might be 9.6, but the shear will be 13, which means it'll stay that it, 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 and it'll play firm. But if it's 9.6 and the shear's 8.9, it means it's okay now. They gallop over it a bit, it'll loosen up. Okay. So yeah. So for for those that are playing, it was, it was first it was first brought into uh, I think you'll find into Flemington by Mick Goody uh, when we had a lot of the international horses 100%. here coming for the Melbourne Cup and and because it's used in England, the international the the European horses wanted or the European connections wanted a a comparison. Uh, using the same equipment, and there was Mick the Irishman used to come out here. I've forgotten his uh, surname, but Mick, Mick, he was the the going stick man that had come here from Ireland, um, and he would he would do the track, and they'd also give you a a a, a, a diagram of the track with yeah, all the different turf readings, tracks. and they're color coded. Yeah, it's mm. turf tracks. They still do that. Yeah. Mm. 
I was I was uh, covering a Melbourne Cup ten or fifteen years ago, and, and that that was one hundred percent right. We, I think they were doing penetrometers at the time, and the Irish said, "No, no, mm. we want nothing to do with your penetrometers. We'll work out how this track is with our own systems that we trust." So mm. uh, that's how that all started. So for those that are playing those databases, and I know that you guys, um, Duff, you've said you know, look, you're not a big database man, but if you're Redoing your data, in your opinion, what was the track on Saturday? Well, I'll leave that to the database people, but I say the 1100 metre race was a soft six, and if you're out wide, it's a it's a it's a heavy you know to seven or eight or nine. But it's on the inside three metres. I'm saying it has to be a six. And look, the database people that have their own data, I'm, I'm only speaking up for the general punter that wants to just get out of bed, have his bed of a Saturday and sees it's a heavy 10 and he starts looking for things that have won on, on bog tracks. Let's get to our callers and we're going to open the lines now, 13.53.53. So if you've got a question for our panel, please uh, call now. Uh, we're also going to recap a little bit later in the show, Moments, uh, best moments of 2021. Mick's on the line. Morning, Mick. Yeah, good morning. How are you going? Mate? I'm well, mate. What's uh, What's your question? Yeah, I've got a question for Muns. Might even be a wrap, right? Everyone's bagging him. On, um... Oh, hang on. No, we didn't vet this properly. We only like people ring up bagging, mate. <laughs> so no, go. Uh, no, go, Mick. Steve, could you get this ready for a promo, please? <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Gonga in the last race, right? Uh, had a hundred bucks on um, Oxford Tycoon and pushed the uh, multiplier button, right? It was $4.40, the horse, right? So you normally get 5% or 10% or whatever. Anyway, it's come up times five. Wow. $2,200. So is that a mistake, Munz, or do you just love me? No, 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 mate. You know, we protect our very, very good customers uh, every now and then that, you know, actually wrap the organisation. You know, blokes like Ronnie, that they just get 0.01. Because you know, they're, 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 they give you a serve. I'm surprised you still get a spin. Yeah. Is that your first win for four years, Mick? You got the five. No, no, I got beat, of course. Oh, God. Yeah, I got beat. Uh, <laughs> okay. So you're just wrapping him because you got the five multiplier? No, my question is yeah. I mean, is that a normal occurrence or what's the rationale how it works? Uh, Come on, Glenn, you built the program. I want to hear this. Yeah. How random well, I'll put is my, it? I'll, I'll put my propeller head uh, hat on, Dave. Um, well, it's it's anything's random. Uh, I don't know what the configuration of the randomness is. Um, but, um, you know, a, a lot of different things can happen. I know a lot of people say, well, they never, ever get it. And it must be a fallacy that people do get it. But I have seen examples of it. And here's another example of someone getting a five times multiplier. There you go. Remember, you only get one a day. And a lot of people say, oh, I never, ever get it. Well, you know, your odds of getting it are not going to be high if you're only getting one a day. Mate, uh, thanks for your call, Mick. Let's get to Steve on the line. G'day, Steve. Oh, g'day, fellas. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I want to say something that's going to help a lot of punters out. And obviously a lot of people are aware of this. I'm talking Victoria, the roughy the state as far as horses go on the planet by far. Uh, yeah, now whatever equipment down there they're using, uh, they've that many tracks in the last 10 years, more than 10 years in Victoria, and I say Victoria, are in fact dead tracks. Not good fours, not good, they're dead. They're dead tracks. Now, I've been punting for a long time, and I've had a lot of good things at big odds and got a lot of them home. And very, very rarely are they before race five. Now, there's reasons for this. Now, you've got to see what's going on 
during the early races. They're calling good tracks down there, and they are dead. They're water-affected. Now, people have got to understand this. What have you got to say about this? Uh, the, the Melbourne man there, uh, Dean, Dean Lester, what's he got to say about this? What are you um, going to say, Dino? <laughs> well, we don't have a dead rating anymore, so that's that's a bit of a fallacy. Um, I, I don't. I, I reckon that's the exact opposite. I reckon our tracks play too firm. Uh, at, they dry too well at Flemington and Caulfield, so I don't. I, I I don't quite get that point. But anyway, that's all right. Beautiful. Uh, thank you very much for your call, Steve. While we're discussing that. Uh, um, Dino, uh, a couple of texts here about uh, Blue Army, um, which was a, a big price winner there for Mick Price, uh, coming out of that uh, Warrnambool uh, run to win the Sandown Guineas. And there was a little speck I see in the market for it too. Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, it's a bit of a recurring theme with this uh, Sandown Guineas uh, that you can win a maiden and win a Sandown Guineas. It's uh, it has dropped away uh, the Sandown Guineas in recent years, but Blue Army's a, a progressive enough horse, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, they're a fair way off the mark of uh, of uh, the better three-year-olds. Festival dancer ran well, but she's probably you know tenth run for the preparation. Uh, might have led a bit slowly too. Uh, Blazero ran okay. Uh, the, I think the best horse in that race uh, is Cardinal Gem, but he was just given no hope out the back in a slowly run race. Do we 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 see these sort of races pop up at all the carnivals across the country, uh, whether it be here in Sydney, Melbourne, where. They're, they're there, they've got the history, uh, but sometimes, you know, they, they appear easier to win than other races on the card. Do, do we need to be looking at these sort of races and changing them in some way? Like, do, do you think that the Sandown Guineas should be changed or it just has to stay there because of the tradition and good luck to anyone who has their horse? Or would you like to see it maybe at 1,400 or a different position on the in the carnival? Yeah, that's a very good point, Dave. Uh, whether it, yeah, you know, where it should be, and whether it should be four weeks after the uh, Carbine Club, and I think the Carbine Club's, you know, like it was one of the races I look forward to most in Cup Week. But uh, with the Bondi, it's probably lost a few representatives, and uh, you know, the, the calendar's changing and evolving, and. Uh, the one, this uh, Sandang Indies has taken a real hit, but you know, good luck to those that uh, were involved in the winner. But uh, I think that's probably about the third time in about eight years horses have come straight off a maiden to win a Group Two, and geez, I think it'll battle to keep its Group Two status. All right, uh, let's come back to Sydney. A couple of texts here about Volpine after you just mentioned. Um, you know, a couple of happy punters here. A Duff uh, was a great. Uh, that obviously, if you back Volpine and got the chocolates, what did you make of the favourite though, Tambo's mate? I thought he had his chance. He got into a, a nice enough spot, you know, just trailing beautifully, went off the fence, and he, he, they just probably steadied up a little bit too much for him, and he had to, you know, just a little bit sharp for him as it turned out at the 1,100 metres. He, um, you know, he, he'd been a horse that uh, had the 1,200 leading in and coming back to an 1,100, and I think the damage was done um, when Jay went crunch and got straight across Space Boy early. So that took the pressure out of the race, and the times tell you that. Uh, so uh, it was advantage leader, and she took it. She did take advantage of it, and uh, really sprinted home where nothing could get near her. Really, this is the final time for the year that we'll have the standard panel of uh, Dino Duff and Munns. We'll have a summer edition over the next couple of weeks. But I thought, with Duff this being uh, your final uh, show with us before well the start of next year, mate, um, your highlights of two thousand and twenty-one. What springs to mind? 
Oh, well, it's, it's what directly springs to mind is the, the years that the year that um, horses like Very Elegant Nature Strip have had, really. Um, very elegant, what's she done? You know, we, we, we all had her on the back burner a little bit, she, but she still won a Chipping Norton, a Ranvit, and George Main, and, and obviously a Melbourne Cup of, uh, along the way. And obviously Nature Strip won the Black Caviar, TJ, Everest, Darley. They've had amazing years. Um, I think Animo had a good year with the Guineas, Golden Rose as, uh, as well. Um, so I think it's been all about those good horses that have, you know, put multiple Group One wins together. You know, a Dave was a great day, winning his second Queen Elizabeth, and uh, but I, I really think uh, the two big guns have been Dead Set Nature Strip and, and well, especially Very Elegant. Dino, your highlights of 2021. Well, I agree with Duff. I, I think it was the the. Um, virtual coronations of two superstars, uh, Nature Strip finally winning the Everest at his third attempt and very elegant who uh, didn't get it right as a four-year-old in a Cox Plate, won a Caulfield Cup as a five-year-old and won a Melbourne Cup as a six-year-old. Uh, I think just magnificent watching her do that and and the uh, evolution of her as a racehorse. Like She got it completely right in a race that she could have got it completely wrong in the Melbourne Cup. And I think the... Uh, Rise from obscurity of incentivise uh, has to be, uh, you know, one of the great mm. stories of the year, but one of the stories that should go on, uh, you know, into probably not the autumn. We'll probably see maybe in the Brisbane winter, but uh, then again next spring and see if he can uh, go that next step further and win a Melbourne Cup, uh, having won a quarter cup or win a Cox Plate and, and add to uh, his greatness. Muns, what about your 2021 highlights? Well, I think, first of all, Dave, the, the, I think the highlight of the year to me is the fact that racing continued um, during the COVID situation. And congratulations to the, you know, the trainers, mainly their staff, um, the jockeys, you know, all the officials there, that they were set basically a, a, a set of guidelines as to what to do. And if you don't do that, well, there's going to be repercussions. But the re- major repercussion is we, we may have to close down racing. And for it to just continue on. Now, we had jockeys that were, were moving away from home because they, they, they moved um, the boundaries. Some jockeys were allowed to ride in the city, and that's the only place they were allowed to ride. Other jockeys had to ride outside the city area. They had to move away from home. And you're talking about, you know, uh, jockeys here that have got young families. But they to, to continue to earn a living, they may have had to move, say, from Rose Hill to Tamworth to continue being able to ride. And they'd ride at Tamworth one day. Then they'd be at Dubbo. Then they'd be at Scone. Then they may even be at Canberra the next day because that was their livelihood. We hardly had a hiccup with COVID uh, positives in race. I think you could count the COVID positives on one hand that we had. Everyone had a job to do. You had trainers that weren't allowed to go to the races. A couple of them did and they paid the price for that. But everyone stayed in their lane, for want of a better term, and continued to let racing go on. And the turnover, we had a captive audience at home where people weren't allowed to go anywhere and they gravitated to racing to bet on. Now, the major task for racing administration now is to get those people that were betting on races during COVID, A, continue to keep them betting on racing, and B, make them come to the races. Now, we've had two meetings in the last two weeks at Newcastle, the Hunter and the Tab Gong, and that was the opportunity for those areas to get people back to the races, albeit in restricted numbers, and the people flocked there.
We've got uh, David on the line uh, joining us with his highlights. G'day, David. How are you going? Oh, by the way, before I start, if you guys might not be here in the next few weeks, so Merry Christmas. I know it's a bit early, but thank you very much for your year. It's really enjoyable, and I think we appreciate what you guys do every every day, but especially on Mondays. Thanks a lot um, for the year. Um, look, I've had... I qu- I think there's been so many highlights, but just a few. But I think there's one that stand out. I think how Zaki performed in um, Brisbane in the Durban Cup and the Hollandale, and then when he came to Melbourne and sadly missed the Cox Plate, but then showed what he's capable of in the McKinnon. I think the way he came from, you know, just improved out of sight. I think Animo's been just fantastic. I think the way he was placed in the the slipper and the blue diamond and has gone on as a three-year-old to win the Caulfield Guineas and... You know, he just never runs a bad race. I think he's an absolutely outstanding two-year-old, outstanding three-year-old, and should go on. But I think the big two, for me, and I'm, forgive me, I'm leaving out Nature Strip. How could you leave him out? One of the best sprinters in the world. But I think incentivise how he was winning races in Brisbane, like by 10 or 12 lengths. And, you know, we thought, well, maybe he's just beating nothing. But how he came to Melbourne, and I think we forget his Caulfield Cup win must be right up there with some of the most brilliant Caulfield Cup winners ever. And he didn't let people down. I thought his second in the Melbourne Cup was good, but I think he was a highlight. But I think very elegant. You know, she's always been an outstanding mare, but I think to win a Caulfield Cup like she did last year and then come back the following year to win the Melbourne Cup, um, I've said it before, she's just so versatile. But I think to win the Melbourne Cup in the fifth fastest Melbourne Cup ever on a track that wasn't that fast was brilliant and also for Chris Waller um, we all know he's the greatest um, one of the greatest trainers ever probably but I think it's something he probably wanted to sign off to finally win the Melbourne Cup it probably doesn't disqualify you from being a great trainer but I remember with Gay Waterhouse and even Craig Williams the jockey I think it does have an effect if you reach the top of your sport and never win the Melbourne Cup so I think Chris Waller finally winning the Melbourne Cup and very elegant performance. I think that was number one. But I think it was a great year, and um, I think it's one of the better years we've seen. Maybe no absolute freak like a Winx, but I thought it was a very good year, and I uh, hope you guys have a really good Christmas and look forward to seeing you next year. Good on you. Thank you, David. Thanks, Thanks David. for a very good call. Uh, Sean's on the line. G'day, Sean. Morning, guys. How are we today? Good, mate. Hey, Darth, I want to ask you about expat. Do you think it's just a seasonal horse, or can you go on and do bigger things now? I think she can go on and um, get a little bit of black type. She's up and running over the summer months. It'd be nice if she got a uh, a wet track. We know she can excel, and she's got a beautiful racing style, and she's grown into a much more mature horse. So, you know, Lizzie knows her well, and she said to me the other day, gee, she's, she's uh, matured up really well. So I'd suggest there, a couple of weeks' time, there might be a listed race in Queensland over their summer carnival. Yeah, I think it's the just or, now. Or the, the, the race at Gosford. Uh, so that's her, okay. chance to, that's her chance to uh, shine and, you know, uh, get that little bit of black type being a mare. But, she, yeah, she's a beauty. She, she gets out and runs and, and uh, has a go, makes her own luck, and I think she's come back much better. Yeah, I think so too. And my, my highlight for the whole season was just the fact that the racing kept going. When the swords are falling by the wayside, uh, racing kept going. We could still watch the racing. It was just great. That was, that's my highlight. We still bet. Why not? Yep.
Exactly. You know, I, I think we're all worried at various stages throughout the year that we weren't going to have a, a job for a few months, but um, uh, we've worked through it and we're very appreciative we've had a job all the way through. 100%. Thanks, guys. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Sean on the line there on Punters Postmortem. Uh, a couple of texts on the text line here. Uh, a lot of love for Zaki, boys. I mean, he was a revelation this season, wasn't he, Dino? Well, he was. Uh, as David mentioned uh, earlier, he was, uh, you know, what, what he did, uh, you know, first up in the Doncaster and ran an, an enormous race and then uh, building through the Hollandale, the Dooman Cup was the pinnacle, won the Q22, the first running of that, and then... Uh, down here and one in Underwood and at McKinnon and just had that setback that meant he missed the Cox Plate. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, he was uh, he was a wonderful story, Zaki. And uh, for mine, the best contest down here of the year was the All Star Mile in those really testing conditions mm. at the Valley when you had Mugger Two and Russian Camelot, Hugh Bowman, Damien Oliver, yeah. two of the great rides, and they were just watching each other through the field, and uh, it was. It was just brilliant theatre. It was brilliant sport. And uh, ultimately, uh, Huey and Mugger too. Uh, Huey's got have very fond memories of Mooney Valley. He doesn't want it ripped up and changed. I couldn't imagine uh, the way <laughs> he gets around it. But uh, it was, I think, a, a fantastic race. Yeah, that was a great race. Um, and just thinking back on that, isn't it amazing to you? You Because so much happens uh, you know, in the spring in front of you, you start to forget about some of these races in the autumn. But tactically, you're right there because Bowman just had eyes on Russian Camelot. Of course, Russian Camelot... Um, went a miss after that uh, that race. Unfortunately, we, uh, we never saw him at the racetrack again. Um, and the vision, too, that I remember seeing of Chris cheer that horse home yes. with his son uh, up yep. in the stands. Um, you know, he's, you, you see him, you know, Chris with the emotion of, uh, you know, winning Newcastle Cups. But to do that, I think, and have his son there, um, the All-Star Mile, yeah, that was, that was great to see. Well, um, by the next Saturday, we were back in lockdown in Melbourne, so that was the last yeah. Saturday of crowds. Uh, so it was quite incredible by the next Saturday, which was Mornington Cup Day. We were back to uh, empty grandstands again. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing how this 2021 has gone. Uh, a couple more texts on the text line. What about, uh, you mightn't have these, uh, in, it, we should bring these up uh, over the course of um, the next couple of weeks, months, because you'll still do some stuff for us over the summer. But any spring to, to mind about really good goes where the punters have just got the lot? They've started backing something early in the week. It's gone right through, and they've just got the chocolates. Um, do you think sort of? Oh, incentivise would be the the, the, would it be the one? one of those, yeah. Dave. When you consider, you know, it was a hundred to one chance when it was winning at. Um, That's right. It probably wasn't even in the Caulfield Cup no. market at that stage, and and no. I think when it won the O'Shea or one of those races um, at Eagle Farm, I think it may have been put in as a fifty to one chance. Or something like that, wow. you know, to run. And I think we were poo-hooed at sixteen dollars when it was sixteen dollars. It was like, geez, you wouldn't take sixteen dollars, and it ran what two dollars thirty or something. Mm. Yeah, it, it was probably. I, I I did read a story on RaceNet yesterday regarding Cav backing his horse in the maiden uh, at Dubbo the other day, reportedly seventy-one dollars into uh, whatever. Um, so that, that, that's a that's an interesting one there. Um, you know, but the, uh, we look at that many races, Dave. It's hard to remember the ones that. Um, well, that's right. A, a, a big goes. You usually you're, you're looking at what, the one you're on yourself. And yeah, it you seemed know, it, uh, from from doing the show though with you this year, Muns. The the one time where you've you've come back on the following week and said, you know, punters got the lot. It was that it was that uh, Everest Caulfield Cup day because uh, obviously they had a bit of cash to burn with Nature Strip, but I think a few other favourites were lobbying on the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and I was very happy for them 
to, to do it, Dave, because, you know, it's a, it's a situation. Now, a lot of people think, you know, you're, you're working in an organisation. Your, your idea is to just, you know, win every day. But you win every day. Your customers run out of money. Yeah, they're, they're entitled to win. Um, and, and, that was, and I thought that was a great time to be winning. The start of a carnival, the end of lockdown, um, everyone's going to be revved up and, and it's going to flow right through. You know, the pubs, the clubs, the, you know, the fashion, all of those sort of things, they're going to spend because they're, they're cashed up. Mm. I think the quiet achiever of the year has to go to think it over. Um, yeah. Like he, he come out and won the George Ryder and we're all shaking our head, but he, he come out and, you know, won a few races in the spring as well. And uh, he's been the real quiet achiever of the spring. And I think the, the name on everyone's lips that everyone wants to have a look at uh, next year would, or outs, outside of Adamo, would, would have to be a Profondo. Yeah, Profondo. Yeah. Very exciting to see how he goes. A couple of texts here. Uh, Art Cadeau winning the country champs and the Kosciuszko double. That was, and we talk about emotion, you know, the emotion of Terry after winning that Kosciuszko with his family there. So, yeah, that was great to see. Um, another text here about uh, Media Award um, winning the, well, that was the Australasian Oaks, wasn't it? Media Award. It was. In South Australia. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was, was that Luke, Luke Nolan as well? Luke Nolan, yep, absolutely. That's right. Um, so, and I think we've, yeah, we've... Uh, yeah, it came to Sydney for the uh, the Forex Golden Eagle. It was a Jack Martin that went into the invitation in Canberra. Yeah. And Huey said, welcome to first grade champ, but about the 350 on I'm Thunderstruck. He said, get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's touch on the West. Um, gee, the win and the winner bottom. Uh, Dean, I'll come to you here first. Um, of this uh, winner, the position she was in. But I tell you what, uh, I don't know what they're, they're thinking of her for next year, but, geez, I'd love to see her in Sydney take on the big guns in a tab Everest. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fair way away, Dave, okay. to be honest. Uh, you know, you've got a, uh, you know, look, I think a really promising restricted horse earlier in the day actually ran quicker time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but uh, she was very good from the back. Uh, I think Elite Street was there to win at the 200, but unfortunately he bled, and that's why he just didn't finish off where he's been charging through the line. And uh, Stage Man ran well, but we know Stage Man well, and Laverod ran fourth, and Laverod really ran, you know, he ran well in a, you know, winning a uh, Hariba at uh, Mornington. So I think being uh, a lack of uh, interstate uh competition really affected this race but she is a, a very promising horse there's no doubt but uh, it, I think it was a little bit flattering Okay, alright. Um, I, I didn't think it had a great deal of luck. Do you know I see red, I see red? Uh, which one? I see red, I see red in that race. Just yes, so you get well, held yeah, up when no, they turn for no, home. No, probably, well, was, you know, class-wise it was, it was a massive step up for it. There was that group back to the inside, Munz, that they were knocking into each other and... Uh, it, Flirtini, they're all sort of going for the same sort of runs and that's why I think the winner was a little bit flatter because it was, even though it was wide, it was well, in it, clear air, you know, because Will Chino had the got... Willy, to, the, the Willy ride from last, get to the yeah. outside, get it, keep out of trouble. Yeah, the, the one that surprised me was so short in that race and ultimately it ran last and after the ball, but Will Chino, uh, very fast 1,000 metre horse, but was always going to be really extended at 1,200 and, and let up and, and stop pretty quickly. Yeah, but was was that due to the fact that Triple Missile and that had come out of the earlier race to, you know, to to win, which they they were calling the the winner bottom repper charge. Yeah, you know, and people sort of looking at the highlight. You know, look look what these horses that are chasing home Will Chino are doing. They're coming out and winning, you know. And uh, but as soon as it stepped away a bit slow, uh, that was the end of it because it had to use too much petrol. Exactly. Yeah. 
what about yesterday, guys? Did you catch the Japan Cup at all? I did. What did you make of it? I mean, uh, Contral uh, signed off his racing career with that uh, victory yesterday. Aidan O'Brien's runners, uh, Japan and Broome, they what finished 8th and 11th. But uh, Yoshito Yahagi, um, Dino, he I couldn't believe it afterwards. I saw on social media he, he nearly jumped on it. 40, 49,000 people were waiting to watch his retirement uh, ceremony, so his farewell ceremony, which the JRA put on on uh, on social media. Like, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, it was... Uh, it, we didn't get the fairy tale at uh, Caulfield, but we certainly got it there with Contrail. Uh, it, was a, it was a magnificent win. It's a, it's a, always a fascinating race when that horse took off mid-race and just put the speed into it from out... Uh, sat out five wide and down the back and then cut down to the inside and put up a big lead. Uh, it just really put the speed into the race and Contrail, the, the superior athlete, was able to win. All right. Uh, Duff, did they have it on down China Doll yesterday or you didn't catch it on the tab app? Uh, I did catch it a bit on the social media. <laughs> I, I was intrigued. I thought it was fantastic when the trainer rode it into the... Yes. The, 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 yeah. The, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Chris Weller, you know, ride down the straight <laughs> exactly. on wings there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, magnificent, a magnificent post by Mick Sharkey reposting yes. a Japanese post this morning of, uh, I suppose it's a cartoon for want of a better term. Saw that. And the cartoon is the contrail, is a picture of the horse uh, standing up and actually hugging the jockey. Mm. Yeah, so if you've got Mick Sharkey's uh, The yep. Shark tweet there, go to Mick's, uh, uh, and he's retweeted a, a, a Japanese uh, tweet there. And I tell you what, their, their horses are put up on a massive pedestal. Mm. And the, you said the trainer, they say the trainer did exactly the same thing when Lee Crusher retired. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. so he just jumps on. Yeah, he's a jockey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Cavi are very happy that Moods never did that. <laughs> yeah, she would have finished like a camel. I wonder. Uh, I wonder if boys, we will see uh, the return of Japanese horses here uh, for our carnivals. Um, I know that uh, you know. Speaking uh, with uh, some members of the ATC uh, late last week, you know, look, they were they were penciled to come in here for Golden Eagles, etc., before COVID, and then obviously COVID has thrown a spatter in the works, but. We are seeing some Japanese contingent go to Hong Kong uh, for their international meeting. Um, but, geez, it would be good to have them back um, down here because, um, you know, obviously they're very hard to beat. But I tell you what, um, I, I don't know about you boys, but when these national horses come and we see a very elegant, you know, go down fighting with the day, but it, it, it actually makes it the reverse for me. I don't think that, uh, you know, geez, um, we're behind them. I should think, well, there you go. We're actually... On par with you guys, and uh, and we can perform at that elite level. Do you guys have any feeling towards that? Would you like to see the Japanese back, or or oh, no? <laughs> I'd, I'd love to. You know, I, I love international competition. I'd, two or three of them. I don't want half the field for with mm. them. Uh, but unless you're on a good thing, Ronnie, at fifties, and you say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so look, oh, I'd be happy with you know one or two, you know one from Europe, one from Japan, you know maybe one or two from both, but. Um, as far as stacking your field with them, I, I think it just takes a little bit of gloss off it as far as trying to analyse it and be confident about um, you know the form lines. Uh, what about, uh, we've got a next caller, well, Renee's on the line. Good morning, Renee. Hi, fellas, how are you? Long time since I've been able to get on and talk to you because I'm a, usually a graveyard shift worker, but happy to tell you Think It Over was my 2001 best horse just due to the fact that he was coming in at 41-to-1s and 31-to-1s, but he was always 
getting them seconds and finally got there for Kerry Parker in the end and Glenn Boss was the reason I jumped on it and he retired on Saturday. I just want to say thank you and been great following him over the years. Yeah, he certainly has been a wonderful uh, ambassador for the sport. Let's touch on Bossy. Uh, I know there was a lot spoken about him over the weekend, but Duff, I mean, he will go down in the books as uh, as one of our you know best jockeys. You know, at the time when he wanted to head up to Howard Springs and you know put himself through that quarantine to ride the horse, now knowing that you know obviously he's pulled the pin, and those thoughts I'm sure have been with Bossy for a fair few months about retiring. It, it makes even more sense because if he wins that Caulfield Cup on incentivise, uh, that pretty much completes completes the circle for him. It's the only one that he's missing. Yep, uh, well, he, he, we all know he's a champion jockey. He's had a rough few months, uh, but um, he he will go down as one of our greatest jockeys. You only got to, I think he's ridden more champions than most jockeys have, uh, 99.9% of them probably, when you, when you think back on it. You know, all those stallions, he's ridden nearly all of them. You know, Schwarzy, Fastnet Rock, Ocean Park. And they're all the best he's some ever of, ridden. I was all the best. Say, some of them have been champions that he's <laughs> proclaimed. Yes, uh, that's for sure. He's ridden a lot of champions. <laughs> and you just you just pull out those three Melbourne Cups and look at those rides. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't see three better rides. In a, in a, the law of averages says you can't do that. And he did. So, yeah, one of a kind. And we won't. Yeah, he won't be Mister Racing. He's going to be controversial. Uh, he's going to have oh, plenty sure. of comments. It's going to be rather exciting running off him. Mm-hmm. Will be. Yeah. I'd, I'd like. I'd like if him and Moods get let off the throttle one day. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, so a couple of texts here about actually having Peter Mooney back in the training ranks has been one of the highlights of 2021. What about uh, Dino? Just a comment on Glen Boss. Uh Probably, you know, the the best uh, big game player. You know, I don't know if I wanted Bossy midweek in July at Sandown, but uh, come those big feature races and actually probably identifying the right horse to zero in on from from a, a way out. And uh, you know, I, you know, I still think of the Doncaster as the the fifth major, and he won it seven times. Uh, he he had the the right knack of getting, you know, mm. identifying the right horse and getting on it, you know. Luck played a big part on in the Maccabi Divas story, but once he got that sit, he just, uh, he took it and, and ran with it. But, uh, you know, identifying the horses and getting the job done, executing the job in all manner of fashions. I mean, I, I think of his spectacular wins. Uh, I think some of his group ones, uh, some of the most spectacular, the God's Own win in the Corvair Guineas, when he just kept getting knocked down yeah. and found a way to win. That's Lightning Stakes Day 2002, there'd been about three straight races and no one wanted to be on the inside fence. And he went alone down the inside fence and, and won the Lightning. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, yeah, he, he had the ability to back himself in like, like no one else. I still remember it was, a, uh, I finished school, boys, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but when he won the Doncaster on uh, Elverstrom, was it Elverstrom or Har- Haram? Haram, Haram, Haram son. Haram. Was that a Monday? Yes, it was. Yeah, because I remember being in, in Queensland and, and seeing those scenes. And you're right about him. You know, obviously, he could get the weight uh, on a lot of those opportunities. But you're right, he did he did pinpoint. Any comments about Bossy Munns? Well, equate him to someone like Wally Lewis, Dave. Now, Wally Lewis would play in the National Rugby League and be, you know, quite steady. But he'd step up to state of origin level and just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and totally dominate 
for Queensland. Well, that was bossy. As, as Dino said, you didn't want to really be on him the middle of July at, at Sandown, but throw a Group 1 race at him and different level. Yeah. And we've got uh, Matty on the line. Morning, Matty. Yeah, good morning. I'll pull over so I don't lose you. I just wanted to thank, thank you for the show and wish you all Christmas. I love listening to it. Um, I'm not a punter. I watch it like crazy. But um, Rachel King, you haven't mentioned it. She rode a treble. She doesn't get the best cattle. Um, she tries in week in, week out. She rode Animo for second in the Golden Slipper. What do you think of her year? She's had a good year. She's had a terrific year. And um, um, she's, you know, was brilliant on Saturday, riding three winners there. She's cool, calm and collected. Nothing phases her. Um, she doesn't let pressure get to her. And um, she rode beautifully there on Saturday. And, and she's a, you know, one, our number one pretty well. Um, go to lightweight rider around when Godolphin's ringing you every week to, to ride their horses. You know, you're going well. A real consolidation year for her, Duff, like a breakout year last year and, and maintained it this year? Yeah, for sure. No, no, she's a, uh, she's one of the uh, top line jockeys in Sydney for sure. Beautiful, Matty. Thanks so much for your call. It's smack bang on 10 o'clock, gents. I need some horses to follow from the weekend. I'll start with you, Duff. What are we following? Uh, beaten favourite Saturday, but I think she'll she'll lift off that Brookspire. Um, just a little bit short for her. She'd had a little bit of a few setbacks coming in, so uh, she'll she'll train on. And her stable mate Mubaras, I thought he did more than enough first up over an unsuitable distance. All right, beautiful, Dino. Uh, I thought I mentioned Cardinal Gem in the Sandown Guineas. He's the horse I'd want to take out of the race and. He's only had three runs, so I wouldn't mind uh, seeing him you know, maybe uh, press on for a couple more runs uh, and get his rating up. And a two-year-old uh, Moco first starter for the uh, Godolphin team ran third in the Merson Cooper. It was a leader-dominated race, drew wide, had to go right back and cut through the field, ran well. Uh, looked a little bit immature too. I, I think he's got a nice future, Moco. Uh, Munns, your horses to follow. Yeah, I think it was one of the hidden runs there Saturday day. Finished right out of the, uh, the placings and everything, but uh, Edison... Uh, in the Starlight Stakes, not an 1,100-metre horse, uh, not usually a horse that is... Uh, it has been placed uh, first up. Second up may take a step backwards, but once it steps up in trip, probably it's third run in. I think uh, it was very, very good there on Saturday. And it's stable, mate, Miss Einstein. She's ready to win out a Friday night at Canterbury uh, because you've got to remember now we're going into basically all benchmark races for... Uh, we'll put it next Saturday. We've got four benchmark 72s, I think four or five... Uh, uh, benchmark 88s and, and, and a highway, a class three. So we're looking at restricted racing and we've got Friday night racing as well. So we've got to look at those probably lower tier horses as we stretch on. And those races that expat's being aimed at, uh, the 11th of December, the Just Now at Eagle Farm, which is a fillies and mares quality over 1,300 metres, and the Gosford Guineas, which is on the 29th of December. Over 1,200 metres at Gosford, of course. Beautiful. All right, boys. Well, that is it for our standard season. Uh, a couple of people saying, well, what are we going to listen to next Monday? Well, we've got the summer edition of Punners Postmortem popping up next week. Uh, you will have the continuance of uh, Dino. He'll chime in for us uh, over the summer. And Muns will be floating around here and there. But we'll have other special guests as well joining us. And uh, as Christmas approaches, Duff, more importantly, you have a great Christmas yourself and Cheryl. And we'll catch you at Magic Millions. And we'll catch you as well when you return on the uh, Punners Postmortem Airwaves after English Millennium, mate. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Good on you guys. Merry Christmas. Yeah, good on you, Duff.